This is the Midlife Motorheads Podcast. Listen in as we talk about our automotive adventures in the shop, on the road, and at the track. So climb on in, tighten those belts, and let's go for a ride. We are the Midlife Motorheads. And now, broadcasting from Motorhead Central, somewhere in the Carolinas, is the hosts of the show, Gene and Trotty. Hey man, how's it going? It's going well. Man, we got a special guest today. Uh, Mr. Ron Kirby is going to join us. What a great guy, huh? Yeah, he really is. He's got quite a lot of experience in the world of motorsports. It's funny because uh, always a privateer has rubbed elbows with big names. It's it's amazing to hear some of his stuff. But today we're going to talk to him about his 1970 and a half Camaro. Mm-hmm. It's a great story. Uh, I think there's a surprise ending in it. He talks uh, about how he decided on that car, uh, what he did with that car, how he followed that car's history back and forth across the Atlantic Ocean, and how sitting on his couch watching Barrett Jackson brought the car back into his life. So it's a, it's a pretty cool story and tremendous guy. We need to have him on again, Trotty, because he was, he's a great guest. Like I said, wonderful guy. Yeah. And there's, there's no doubt about it. Ron, he was like a double engineer. Did he, was he like a mechanical and electrical engineer? He was actually, I think a, a jet engineer. Oh, okay. Okay. For, for GE or something like that. And, Full of novel ideas, kind of a neat, neat guy. Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, and he's been uh, not only in SCCA, Tramzam. He worked with NASCAR for a while. I mean, he is just—he's been everywhere and just met tremendous amount of people. Uh, I guess Transam was like Mark Donahue and some of those guys he raced with. Yep. Um Who did he work for at NASCAR? We'll get him to talk about that on another show. Yeah, I, th- I think it was the Allisons. He's not a name dropper, but in the conversation, you'll go like, who? And then you'll hear who it is. Yeah. Here's our conversation with, with our good friend, Ron Kirby. Well, what are you guys up to taking it easy in this hot summer down in South Carolina and North Carolina? We know my friend here has not worked in a whole week, so I don't know what he's doing, but I'm a new job, my friend. Sounds like you're not on unemployment, Gene. Not yet. It's <laughs> not working. <laughs> yeah. So, Ron, um, we're going to ask you a couple questions and kind of kick this off. Really appreciate you joining us. Um, hey, I appreciate being on. So, we kind of want to, you know, we're, we're car guys. We want to talk about cars. And, you know, we, we've known you for a while, but but we, we know you, you've held the steering wheel a bunch. And we'd like to know about your first race. The first race. Okay. When was it? Uh, <laughs> I know when it was. I'm just trying to put it together. Mm-hmm. Uh, a buddy of mine was in SCCA. I had been married about a year. Uh, I was married December 29th, 1967. And it was about, oh my gosh, 68. And it was in April. Yeah. April of 68, and a buddy of mine had raced a Formula V, and he got me in the SECA, so I bought his Formula V for $600, 
And I went to uh, me, my wife, and a friend of ours took an old Chevrolet bread truck, about a 66 or 68 van, and had a little single axle trailer and towed that Formula V all the way up to Cleveland, Ohio almost. And it was about 28 degrees before we woke up. <laughs> and we got out to the track and uh, we went out and went through tech and failed tech. Oh, and no. I said, what's wrong? Why did we fail? And he said, well, fit in the car. I sat in the car and the guy brought out a broomstick and uh, it came down to about my ear <laughs> for a roll bar. Ron, you're, you're, you're kind of a tall drink of water. And when you told me you were going to race a Formula V in this conversation, I'm thinking that might've looked funny. <laughs> <laughs> so needless to say, we went into town. It was a Saturday morning and uh, I missed uh, first practice with uh, instructor. I'll, I'll speed this up a little bit. And I uh, went into town and uh, found a welder that was just messing around. So we had that old piece of pipe, we heated it up and put it in a bender and shaved the edges down, welded about a 12-inch section of pipe on top of the roll bar. So I looked like uh, the gentle giant in a soapbox derby. <laughs> <laughs> How did you finish? Oh, I finished dead last, Gene. <laughs> I went to much the far way. <laughs> So the next time you tell that story, you gotta tell us about how you won that first race. So, so oh. you went from Formula V. What was your what was your next race car? Oh, we went we went full bore then. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> after we raced the V for uh, about mm, two and a half years, very inexpensive racing. I mean, you know, a gallon for a whole session. And uh, went through the whole deal. Got my regional license. Got my first national race in, and I think I, out of 30 cars, we finished 20th in a national race. So in uh, 69, I sold the V, and I used to work uh, in 66 and 65, 65, winter 65, spring of 66 while I was going to UC. Night school, I worked at Chevrolet Motor Plant in Norwood and built Camaros and Impalas. So the 1970-and-a-half Camaro came out, and I wasn't working there anymore, but I knew the plant superintendent. So I called up Bill, and I said, Bill, build me a stripped-down C-28 with nothing on it, no radio, no nothing. Just that 350 engine with a holly carburetor and a 410 rear axle. He said, you want power steering? I said, yep, put power steering. <laughs> so that's all that car had. I paid $2,800 for it. <laughs> so, so, Ron, and, you're telling me you had your own COPO program. Well, I did for sure for about a month. <laughs> <laughs> that is fantastic. That, that is, is fantastic. Cool. So They was, built me a car. It had no interior in it. It had, it had one, one seat, one bucket seat, <laughs> and it had a monthly M22 rock crusher transmission in it. Which, which came with the Z28 option, and the 410 axle was extra, but built through it in. <laughs> what color so then, What color was it? Was it a body white, and white? White with black stripes. They had to put the black stripes on it because they had to show it on the book as a Z28. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, so anyway. That, 
that car has a little more history and I don't want to get to the punchline yet. So don't tell us the end of the story, but, but tell us how you okay. developed that car and built that car. Well, that, that spring and summer, the development part took place. We never changed the engine over to 302, which was legal because it's illegal with a 350. <laughs> That's putting out probably about 275 horsepower. We put a different cam in it that was an off-road cam that we bought through Chevrolet. And then we put a, uh, instead of the uh, 700 Holly dual pumper, we put a 750 dual pumper on it. And then we complete, I bought a Holman Moody roll cage for $325. <laughs> and they shipped it to me by freight right out of NASCAR rule book, man. That thing That's had fantastic. Gutted. And it gussets in every corner of the roll cage, four bars on each side of the door. It had a petty bar, a whole nine yards. And it was welded to the front subframe axle shaft. So we got the car running. We went to a national race. And I'll be damned if I didn't come in third place with a cheating motor. They never checked the cues. They never checked the tires, the wheels. They never... I just looked at the car. Does the brakes work? Does the lights work? Yeah. Man, that's incredible. That was, that was SCCA, Ron? SCCA back in 1970. And in 71, uh, we went to uh, racing nationals and uh, one or two Trans Am races. Uh, I think one was at uh, Indian, no, not Indianapolis, Mid-Ohio. And... Uh, the next that one after Mid Ohio, then we went to Michigan International. We run Michigan International in Trans Am. Then we went to that was all in seventy three, and in seventy four, we ran the one of the last Trans Am races at Road Atlanta in Mid Ohio. So I was doing pretty good, and then the bottom fell out of everything with SCCA, uh, basically the gas guzzler finally caught up with everybody. And uh, Jim Bischoff called me up. He said, uh, you're not running Trans Am this year. Uh, or Bill Bischoff. Bill or Jim? I can't remember his name. But he was in charge of him. Bischoff. And uh, he said, how about coming down the road of land and running? And I said, well, we sold the Camaro. He said, well, can you get a hold of another car? I said, yep. I know where there's another Trans Am car. So I called my buddy up at a used car dealership, and I raced against him. And he had all the Holman Moody stuff, plus the Holman Moody Ford Mustang motor. They blew up and was rebuilding it. So I, I had sold my Camaro for $4,500 to a guy in Bluebell, Pennsylvania. So I went up to Dayton, Ohio, about 45 miles away, bought this Mustang, 69 Mustang. We got, had been rolled at Road Atlanta, not Road Atlanta, um, Elkhart Lake, uh, end over end in the kink. And uh, he had rolled it and barely lived through that one. But they rebuilt the whole car, suspension, everything up. It had the, uh, oh, man, it had rock. It, you could put your fist down the porch in those 302 heads. They were all from Ford Racing Force. i never seen a set of heads like that in my life. 
above three ahead were what 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 beat every other car in Trans Am, and they were legal three hundred two heads. Wow, unbelievable! We took that to Road Atlanta. Bishop he was trying to fill the field up. They had two sections, and an a a uh, a group and a B group. They put me into A group because I had more experience, and they had just started the IMSA GT series. Well, we went out and we ran a qualifying heat, and I finished about 10th in the qualifying heat out of about 20-some cars. And this, you got to remember, it's a brand-new rebuilt motor. So then they put us in the second heat, and this is a combination of the first heat and the second heat. The top 20 cars would, would made 48 cars in that heat race. So... There was 48 cars, and they were only going to take 40 cars in for the final race. So I started out, and then the tire started going down. I had to go in the pit, change the tire, come back out, and now I'm running dead last, right? And we got about 10 laps to go, 12 laps to go, and I got to pick off nine cars to get up to 40th or 39th place or whichever way it was. I know I was in dead last. Right. So I got about five or six cars. And I'm coming up on the eighth on a Camaro. And that son of a bitch would, excuse my language, that son of a gun would not let me pass him. He would block me at every turn, even through the S's. I was faster than him on a straightaway. And every time I go to pull around him, he'd block me. And then he'd come back to where I was trying to, I'd fake him a block. And then I couldn't get around him. So I figured the only place I could pass him was going into number one, which is an uphill turn. And if I could get on the outside of him, and he thought I was trying to pass him on the outside, right at the apex, he would slide out to the outside because I was faking to the outside. Once he started sliding to the outside, I could just nail it. And, in, 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 I mean, just nail it, drop it in the third and nail it, and hit, shoot right through the apex and going up the hill I got to the top of the hill and I shifted back to fourth gear and the motor went kapow <laughs> I got a picture of a rod Gene I'll send you it's uh, it's the rod that twisted but it never broke I've never seen a rod twist like this before never in my entire life and it didn't break and that was out of, that was the Holman Moody's race shop what happened to that Mustang Mustang went to California, and it got repainted white, the regional color. It's running in the series out of California under Al Costner's uh, blog book for the car in Trans Am series because, as far as they knew, it's only it was it was never raced anywhere else but in Trans Am. So they repainted the car, and I got a picture of the car here somewhere. Yeah, there's one on the wall, but. Uh, it's just from there it was a nightmare. Uh, I just uh, we sold we sold the uh, race car uh, GE. I had been working for. I graduated from college by the end. Mechanical engineer. I'd been working at GE since 1968. Second shift, third shift, and uh, running the SST engines and uh, a precursor to the B1 Bomber engine. Uh, F-16 engine was coming along. We, I was in military back in in development, and we uh -huh. ran all the engines and uh, Evendale. So uh, they had a big cutback at Evendale, 
And the manager come over to me and he said, I need somebody in field service, Ron. He said, I got a TF-34 that we're building up in Lynn, Massachusetts. And it's going to go on the first fleet of S-3As for the Navy. And it's dual engine uh, carrier aircraft for sub hunters. I said, I know nothing about those engines except the air goes in the front and it comes out the back. Before we get too far along here, so is that Camaro, the 70 and a half Camaro that you bought yeah. straight out of the, the assembly line? Was that the only Camaro you've ever had? Yep, and raced? Yes, so sir. tell us, tell us the rest of that story. Tell us where that car wound up. All right. The boy in Bluebell, Pennsylvania called me up and he said, we're going to change your rear end gear. I said, well, what are you going to race? What class are you going to race it in? He said, well, we're going to try to race it. Trans Am was dead. He said, we're going to try to race it in NASCAR, not NASCAR, um, FCCA. And then after we get the car broke in, we're going to start racing MCGT with it. I said, okay, cool. He said, we just want you to send us a letter that you put a, it's a quick change rear end gear, Gene. You know, there's two gears, over, one over top of the other one. Uh, it's an old style two two gear quick change. It had a, had a case on the back of it. You take the bolster off, the case comes yep. off. You slide the two gears off. You put the other two gears on. You and you went from a oh four ten to a three ninety four or something. You know, yeah. I Win, can't remember. I the one of the name brand name was Winters, I believe. Um, they're very noisy. Yeah, made lots of noise. Yep. It, Mother brothers make maybe it was winners. It could have been. I, I can't remember. But anyway, long story short, they wanted me to write a letter that I had put it in and raced in Trans Am with it. I said, Okay, you own the car. I wrote them a letter, signed it, and dated it, post dated it that uh, before I sold the car to them, sent them a letter, and by God, they got by with it. They went into SDC and ran it with it. Hmm. So then they blew the motor up again, uh, and they parked the car. This was in Bluebell, Pennsylvania. Well, after they parked the car in Pennsylvania, it sat for about five or six years in a, in a, in, in a garage, a warehouse barn. And uh, they put it on Auto Week for sale. And it said it had NASCAR, Holman Moody roll cage, yada, 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 blown motor, uh, by then it was a 302 because NASCAR was checking her, FCCA was checking everything, and, and IMSA GT was really breaking down on the rule. Before those, be, Gene, before 1975, you could cheat with nitric oxide and they wouldn't know it. <laughs> I mean, I'd never, <laughs> they would, you, some of those inspectors were so dumb, all they knew how to do was check five lug bolts and make sure one on each wheel was tight. <laughs> that was all they ever checked in the brake light. That's the good old days, yeah. right? <laughs> that was well, the good you old know, When you have volunteers, you get what you pay for. I tell you what, some of those older guys that, that were inspectors, I could have run a 454 truck block in that Camaro. They wouldn't have known the difference. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so, Ron. So it goes, in, it goes into uh, the uh, papers for sale. What, what, who buys that car? You're not going to believe this in a million years. You ever heard of the Elliot out of Georgia? Would this be Awesome Bill from Dawsonville? And Ernie, the engine builder and car builder. Yeah. Ernie Elliot bought the car. 
Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You tell me Bill Elliott, one of the NASCAR, I think he was um, um, voted you know, like, like most popular driver in like in the, what, eight early, mid-80s, late 80s? Late, this is late 70s, early early 80s, man. And this guy, uh, this guy bought your Camaro. Yeah. Ernie Elliott bought the car. And, and this is documented. They went through everything. They, they even added on the NASCAR extension loops for the front of the hood uh, where the engine was. They, they lowered the car, uh, dropped the spindles uh, back a little bit, and made made the wheelbase a little bit shorter instead of being longer. I think it was only like an inch or so. They rebuilt and put a NASCAR engine in that car. Kept the uh, transmission. The transmission never did break. That Muncie Rock Crusher M22, I wish I had another one of those somewhere. You can't find them. They're gone. People's got them in their cars. But anyway, he rebuilt that car completely. Aiming it back to black, which we ended up painting it in 73, I think. We painted solid black. Everything on it was black, and then we had great big uh, American flag number 51 on it. It was unbelievable. But he rebuilt everything in it, put a NASCAR, he retouched everything, put a NASCAR gauge system in it, everything NASCAR. Boom, tubes out the sides of works. Took it to Barrett Auto Works. Now you got to remember, I paid twenty five hundred dollars for this car. I sold it for forty five hundred in nineteen seventy five. I have no idea what Ernie Elliott bought it for. He took it. Now, Ron, Ron, yes, sir. They, they, that car went on a little trip though before it went to Barrett Jackson. No, see, I was getting ahead of myself. You're right, because after oh. they got through at Elliott's when they finished the car. They called up somebody somewhere, and the Queen's Cup in England invited them to come to England and race in the Queen's Cup. Goodwood. They went to Goodwood with that car. Goodwood. That's exactly right. Yeah. They put that car on a plane and flew it to England and raced in the Goodwood Speed Festival. Yep. So so the the car goes to, to Goodwood and comes back. It comes back, and before it goes to Barrett Auto Auction, I think the car ran in the in the what do you call it series, the vintage car series for years, and then it was put in storage and yada yada yada. They cleaned it all up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, That's it. Then they cleaned it all up, I believe. And then when they got finished with the car, with all this stuff behind it, all the history behind this car for forty five. For $2,500, it went to Barrett Auto Auction and sold at the Barrett Auto Auction, I think, for $110,000. Damn. You know, for the people who want to fact check this, they can go into Barrett Jackson Auto website. They can go into the archives. They can find that this car actually sold. It is the Ron Kirby Trans Am Camaro. Yep. And uh, it was bought by uh, Mr. Uh, Bill Goldberg of uh, wrestling fame. And you're right. It went for over a hundred thousand dollars. And, and, you know, Ron, the thing that, that cracks me up most about this story 
is is you telling me that you were sitting on your couch watching the Bear Jackson auto auction and what happened? <laughs> I'm sitting on the couch watching the Bear auto auction and this black Camaro rolls up on the floor and this guy starts talking about the history of this car. And I went and I, I screamed out loud. We, and by now we had like, you know, four children or three children. It was late at night. I hollered my wife come out. I said, come here. She said, I don't want to look at that card. <laughs> she she went with us to every race. My wife and all of our children. We had a great big camper truck. We bought one of the, we bought a 1973 Chevrolet Dually. The first year they came out with a fruit game with Dually. That son of a gun with a 454. What hauled 10,000, 20,000 pounds. We put our Marigo camper on it that was sleep six people, the back end popped out of it, and a trailer that wasn't worth $10. <laughs> and we towed that car all over the US. And, and Ron, you, you tell me you're sitting on your couch, not knowing what's coming up next, and they roll up the black Camaro. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and when when passed out when they, when they sold the hammer. Hammered for a hundred nine or a hundred ten thousand dollars. I told her, I said, I should have never sold that car for forty dollars. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And like you guys, Gene, when you were telling me about when you was growing up, you wanted to get you a, a car to work on. You got that old fifty-seven T-Bird. I bet you wish you had it back now because they're going for over two hundred, two hundred grand. Uh, I know. I know. I wish I had them all back. You know. But uh, we can't have them all, Ron. That was uh, that. That's a great. That's the greatest story you tell. I think is is about that uh, that old Camaro and and how you bought it, um, stripped out, built it, sold it, and and followed its history. That's that's a fantastic story. That's fantastic. Yes, all right, that's great, Sir Gene, Ron. Sir Trotty, it's been my pleasure. Oh, it's been our pleasure. I can't thank you enough for being a guest on the show, Ron. Everybody who knows me knows you in the following way. I tell them that you're the man I met online. <laughs> That's a long story short, I guess. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. All right, All right, my friend. Have a good evening, Ron. We'll talk to you soon. It has been a pleasure talking to both of you guys. Be right. careful of the heat. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. Bye. Hey, Gene, that was an incredible interview with Mr. Ron Kirby. I can't wait till we uh, have him back on the show again to tell us about the time that he went to the best damn garage of Mr. Smokey Eunuch. You know, Ron stopped by to buy some parts, and it's a pretty good story. In fact, it must be one of the best damn stories in town. <laughs> so we're looking forward to the next time when we uh, have another visit from our good friend, Ron Kirby. Thank you for downloading and subscribing to the Midlife Motorhead Podcast. Make sure to check out our main website at midlifemotorheads.com and all our social outlets, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube.